Welcome to the Talent Talk Podcast. I'm Calvin Fisk, here with Maggie Berkeley, and we will be talking to Mr. Havey today, great guest. Um, stick around to the end of the podcast to hear from talent writer Sage Ness talk about the style of the Christian Brothers senior class. So uh, let's get right into it. How was Christian Brothers, and what was it like when you uh, went here as a student? Well, when I went here, it was all boys, so definitely different, um, only because without girls, it seems like we're a little bit more um, gross and obnoxious, <laughs> and I think with girls, it kind of has uh, helped socialize the males here at CB a little bit more. It's been a very positive thing from what I see. Um, it's not the same camaraderie that you get sometimes with the uh, same gender uh, schools, but the socialization process and just seeing like people of the opposite sex really become friends and hang out without it being dating kind of thing. It's just beautiful to see. So I see the social skills really develop and it's more true to say how the real world is where there's co-ed work environment, co-ed schools people are going through. So those social skills are very important. I know when I was making my decision on where to go, it definitely played a huge factor because I don't think I wanted to go to school that was just all boys. I kind of wanted that social aspect with girls because, like you said, when you get into the real world, it's going to be you're going to be interacting with both genders. And if you don't know, like uh, how to interact with girls and it's going to really not help you out very much if you're just getting that definitely, boys interaction. If you have a woman who's a boss or yeah. just co-workers to get along with, you know, and then just friendships. I think a foundation of friendship with uh, a person of the opposite sex, and down the road you're going to get married. I mean, you're forming skills that could be last a lifetime with your future spouse. So, yeah, I know that uh, I have a lot of like good relationships with the, the girls here, and like good friendships that I don't think I could get at a different school, or at least not in the way that I have it. And I'm I'm really thankful for those that like experience and that opportunity. And I think CB is just really good for like giving that to us or like helping us with that, just because they really like push for that inclusion of both genders and stuff. I agree. I agree. And uh, I know that the, the sports atmosphere here was probably a little bit different. I mean, yeah. really, I mean, we're probably more equal to Jesuit boys back then where now, I mean, they have like 1,100 boys to our 600. So that does make a huge difference as far as just a percentage of athletes that you get in, in the, your uh, group of uh, students that are at your school. So it is significant. I mean, I think about every eight, nine, ten years we pick them off. Um, but there is a definite numbers advantage for them um, compared to us. But, you know, the beautiful thing I think of when I think of, like, Holy Bowl is the fact that when our guys win or lose, we're cheering at the end. And we're just like, we love you guys. And there's a lot of people who are cheering where when you look on the other side and they lose, everyone's quiet, there's no cheering for anyone, and they walk away. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big difference, and I've seen that several times now in going to Holy Bowl when we won. Holy Bowl is definitely always always fun for CB kids. Oh, yeah. Just because, well, I mean, it's probably always fun for everyone, but because we're not always expected to win, so when we do, it's that much better. Yes. And then when we don't, everyone's already like kind of okay with it. So yes. this year, everyone was getting extra hyped for it and it was it was just an amazing experience to get to have that senior year victory. Oh, and see the kids running out on the field oh, yeah. and just that's like it's it's a beautiful experience. Yeah, I mm -hmm. remember looking across the field at the Jesuit student section and they were completely gone. 
when we won. They yeah. just like left right away, and it was it was kind of funny to see that because they don't know how to act because they've yeah. won so many years. And it's a different culture too. I yeah. think yeah. we're definitely um, we're more open um, to I think wherever uh, happens at a game, or that we're still gonna love our our players and still support them no matter what. So. It's just kind of it's just a different thing for the West winning. Like, um, it's just because you kind of have you you look across the field sometimes and you see the like the odds you're against when you're playing a score a sport against Jesuit. Like I know with rugby, they have like an A side, a B side, and a C side, yes. and each side has these like they have um, people that are like backups too, and we'll have like. We'll show up with thirty kids, just and, not even enough to like. And that's the numbers issue. Thing. Having yeah. like eleven hundred boys to six hundred, you know, guys. So there's a difference. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. But it does. It's always good competition. I think. Yes. I think we always, even if we when we lose, we always give them a good fight because we always got a lot of heart when we're going into those games, which is something that you kind of have to have, or mm-hmm. just just happens naturally when you're like the underdog school. Yeah, it'd be like um, so. We're D three in our league. We're actually D four. And that'd be like us playing like D five team, which has you know like five hundred kids in their school. So it, it is a considerable difference. Mm-hmm. But you know, as far as the school difference, um, what I notice also is um, uh, less maybe focus on sports, but uh, that it's all inclusive. Like a lot of kids are involved in a lot of different things besides the arts and the clubs. It just it's a very beautiful thing. To before when I went there, it was all about sports. It was just mm-hmm. like. I played uh, basketball, I did track, you know, I played football. Those were just things you just plugged into automatically, where now I think there's a lot more opportunity to do other things. I'm really happy about that, too, because uh, I do play rugby and water polo, but I wouldn't say those are, like, the biggest things that I'm interested in on campus and stuff. Like, I obviously, like, love doing the podcast and the, this kind of, like, media stuff, and we'll be doing some senior video stuff next semester and all that. And I am a part of a few clubs, and I think that those are just as important. Plus, I'm doing, like, SRLT and stuff like that. And those are just as important, if not sometimes more important, than, like, the sports that I play. So I like having the both, being able to do both things. And I think CB is, like, a great atmosphere for that kind of experience, being able to have both of these sides of the education available to you. I agree. I agree. Uh, when you were here, what kind of things were you involved in, like, you said track and... So I did um, football, and I did uh, basketball and track, and that was about it. I mean, that kept me pretty busy just doing mm-hmm. year-round sports, and a lot of guys did. I think now they specialize. A lot of times kids will specialize on just one sport to accelerate um, their abilities, and sometimes I think you become more injury-prone. And yeah. so I think uh, there's a, there is... Um, something good about helping out your school and playing multiple sports, especially if you're a good athlete. But in my day, everyone played multiple Mm -hmm. sports. It just was very common. While you were here. Yes. Was there a certain teacher that had like a special like impact, like a, the most impact on your life that you remember? A couple. um, uh, Dave Malman was a, was a guy that I kind of bonded with uh, brother Joseph was a brother there, brother Edward. Um, so when I was here, we had probably about six to eight brothers, and it was um, just part of the culture to have the brothers around, and there was a respect for the caller and a respect for them. Uh, most of them played more of an authority figure uh, for, for some of the guys that really helped a lot um, because maybe the authority figure at home wasn't as positive or there wasn't one. 
So that male authority figure helped uh, some of us to kind of grow up and to kind of have respect for people um, who we looked up to as far as role models as men. So that was something very positive. I just have like, a quick question. Do you know why we don't see as many like priests or brothers teaching um, at like the Catholic schools anymore? Well, it's just there's not the same amount of numbers who are actually becoming priests and brothers. And so um, even like we had up to what, 10 years ago, we had about three brothers, and then they said, we can't do this anymore. We're going to go combine with another community because two of the brothers, one was leaving, the other one was going to be retiring. So they have to have numbers, and I think it's healthier for them to live in community Mm-hmm. and to support each other through what they do, especially having a good support system for younger brothers who are coming up and having bigger communities help the younger brothers. Yeah. So, uh, But it was nice. It was really nice to have the brothers here, both as a teacher and also as a student. Yeah, it seems like it would be like a good kind of thing to have them, like these the brothers here, because I heard a lot when like Mr. Cap stories and stuff like that, yeah. where they, they, they had like the little, their own like separate, place on campus yes, right with yes the... yes and so some sometimes they invite us over as a group and you know i don't know if they're just introduced to us to the brothers if that was a possibility for us but they'd invite groups of us to come over and hang out and, and have dinner with them and talk with them and so that was kind of nice it was um appreciated that someone kind of take you under their wing and talk to you and, and interact with you so yeah, I've heard they've been like they're really inclusive of like other people and just. I think they were. Really, they were. I felt yeah. that way. Yes, and then just um, again, just introducing people to their, to their world, their religious world, and and I think that's something that's missed um, today, because they're just not around the same way. I wish some of the brothers from the district would come and visit our school more mm-hmm. often, and if we're not proactive in asking them, a lot of times they don't. So yeah. that's kind of sad, but. Um, I think as teachers, we need to promote it more and invite them over. And yeah. I think that would better help the situation. Yeah, I know that I haven't really seen many of the brothers since I've been here. And, like, I think we learned about them, like, freshman year when we yes. did the whole De La Salle, like, thing for religion. Yes. And But I don't know if I've had really much contact with any of them, like, visiting the school or anything. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's I think we if we do bring that back, kind of, I think that could be really important for, like, even like I know getting people and in, interested in the brothers type thing, and then um, just having that whole like they have that faith and like teaching aspect with them. Totally, that totally. I think could be like helpful to bring. And as to teachers who have experienced the brothers, we try to emulate their role and what they did, and try to do those similar things in our classroom and develop relationships with students. So I think there's some attempt by us um, to reach out to students in the same way and keep that charism, keep that uh, perspective, um, what we learned and the way we learned, and then try to emulate that and, and do that in the classroom. Yeah, I do feel that a lot with CB, like the a bond that the students have with the teachers yes. isn't really something that I've had before in like my, uh, like an elementary school and all that because I just, I feel like I know my teachers better and they like care for me a lot more almost just from being around them and like, them treating me as like almost as like a friend but still like a student i just i really appreciate that whole aspect of the school because i know that 
even when I come back like years after I graduate, I'll see my old teachers and be like, oh, hey, like it's like a friendship that we already have. Yes, yes. And I'm a Facebook buddies with a lot of, I know that's the old person uh, social media, but uh, um, they, you know, they ask. And so I'm like, totally, I go, wait till you graduate, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so, but it's good to see him. I see kids who are, have kids now and it's just beautiful. It's beautiful seeing them grow up and develop as uh, adults and take on their life responsibilities, do well in their careers and vocations. So it's very cool. I know that like a bunch of alumni and like, I, I mean, I'm probably looking forward to it, but like when they come back for certain CB events, yes. like the beer and wine mixer and all that stuff, yes. I feel like everyone says they have like a great time just cause it's just a great like atmosphere and community here that just, when you come back, you feel like you never left. I feel like that's kind of how well, it is. I think we uh, embrace the relationship while we're here. And so when you guys come back, we just continue the relationship. And I think, um, that is our charism, our Lasallian charism that's built in, um, where we treat um, the students as younger brothers and sisters. We're, mm. we're family. And so I think part of that interaction, part of checking in, part of, hey, you doing okay, is us saying, hey, we care. Mm. And uh, that's something I experienced, and continuing that is part of the deal. And All right. So um, now moving on to, like, after you have been at CBA, like, when you um, just – how exactly did you start your like service work? Because I know you're really involved in that now, and um, just want to know where you got your start doing so that. So I've always done a little bit of service here and there, but it really kicked in when I started doing Venevers in Tijuana. So I got the I was blessed to be able to go three years in a row to Tijuana and do service work, and they have a school there, Centro de la Salle, and um, teachers uh, volunteer their time uh, to teach kids because a lot of them only get up to sixth grade education, then you have to pay. Uh, after that, um, like private schools. And so that was my experience anyway. And so uh, when I went there, I saw people hungry to learn, but I also saw teachers who were willing to donate their time after their job and come in the evenings and teach these people. And I thought that was very beautiful. And then um, probably one of the most powerful experiences in Tijuana is when there's a dump and people literally dig through the dump. And so um, I'm, we're there handing out sandwiches. We had like 500 sandwiches, and we're passing them out. And a man said, um, you know, I, uh, I offered him a sandwich. He said, no, thank you. And I go, your English is really good. This is amazing. He goes, yeah, I came from Chicago, and my mom brought me over, my brother. And, you know, here I'm an adult. I had a girlfriend, I had a car, I had a place to live. And they realized that um, they found out I was uh, um, undocumented. And so they sent me back, but he goes, I don't have any family here. I don't know who to go to. So I'm kind of stuck on this side of the border, and I, I was hungry. And so he, he said, I went to the dump, realizing I could find stuff to sell, but also that there's food here. And I said, well, how come you don't want the sandwich? And this was probably the most humbling thing. Um, he said, because there are other people in need that could use it, and I have food here. And he, I was talking about the dump, and it was just like, it made my eyes water. I'm like, who am I to complain about anything in life? You know, <laughs> here's a man who has nothing, and he's um, he's saying, I don't need food, I'm okay. And he, he still was still thinking of other people. And so. I think that like the service opportunities are just like a, an amazing opportunity to get to see how other people um, live and like to be able to be like, empathetic towards them and everything and see if they're from their perspective because I think a lot of the people here live a pretty privileged life yes and we don't really see these types of like things that they f that these other people face 
and it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to connect with these people because they are people like us and um just it kind of leaves you a little bit more open to like everything and helping out and everything doing more service i feel like once you do some service it really leads you to <laughs> kind of following that path oh and when you go other places it just open your eyes to appreciate what we have like you said i went to peru and I mean, there's people with dirt floors or reaching out to kids at a, a school and doing service there. And then I went to Yangon last summer, and uh, Myanmar is a country, and I taught at a brother's school. And there's, these are kids who came from all over the country just to learn English. And some came from very, they had no electricity. They had no, so it was just humbling. Like, could you imagine not having electricity? Could you imagine, like, third world? I mean, it, I was hearing their stories, and it was very humbling. Like, for me, quit complaining, you know? Quit quit just thinking of yourself and, and start realizing that you're blessed in your life and to, to honor that by helping other people and to give back, you know? So I'm very thankful. I do Oak, neighborhood, Oak Park Neighborhood Cleanup um, a couple times a month um, as an outreach for my students. I ask them to do some service, and I also go to the food bank, and... Um, again, I'm constantly humbled by the people uh, in need, but also just the thankfulness of people. Like, um, they're just honking their horns and say, thank you, Christian brothers. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, um, I don't do it for that, but it's nice when that comes yeah. around. And I tell the kids, whenever we do service, there's a gift that comes our way. We just need to be open to what's what's coming our way because it's just a natural outcome of giving to others. Things have a way of coming back to you. Yeah. I know that, like, a lot of the classes you teach, when they hear that they have service hours, a lot of them are like, oh, no, no, like not all the other teachers do service hours. Yes, I'd have to be stuck yes. with service hours. I know I was that way when I was in your class. Understandable, understandable. But uh, I think as like I've gotten older, I've kind of appreciated it more because those like the Oak Park cleanup stuff that we did and then going to the food bank, I think, really helped out. And I'm more, I'm definitely in more interested now in getting back into that kind of thing and doing more service. Um, I know there's a lot of teachers here that really advocate for their service trips yes. and they've been, you know, getting me really interested in doing that type of thing later on. Um, I'd love to do one of those things where you go out of the country because I feel like that would be an amazing experience. Just a really eye-opening thing, as you said, just to see how people live in other places and how much we are blessed and how exactly we, what we can do to give back. Because you see these things or you hear about them and you don't really know what you can do. And I think if you experience it firsthand, you have a more concrete idea of how to help yes and that's really important and even opening your heart to helping because mm -hmm. so often it's easy just to focus on ourselves and taking care of ourselves and doing what we want to do and then when your heart's more open you're like you're kind of looking for other opportunities you're like god where can i be plugged in what is there some need here and then as doors kind of open or you feel urges or tugs on your heart then you kind of lean that direction and start helping out so um very thankful very thankful that I have the opportunity to serve. And then I can invite kids. We don't have defined hours here at CB. So most schools have like, you know, several hundred hours they have to do before they graduate. We don't have that here. And so that's one of the reasons why I do require it in my class because I thought too many kids are missing out on opportunities to serve. And so um, I do that as in the hopes that they'll get the bug and that they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll be a positive experience for them at some point where they would want to do it themselves or at least have the memory of doing it and that, and that resurrect itself later in their lives. So that's always my hope. Yeah, being in your class freshman year, doing the 10 hours per semester, 
um, I started going to a certain food bank at my local church, and I've just, like, built so many relationships from that, and it's, like, cool not only to, like, build relationships from, like, the people that run it, but also the people that go to it to yes. receive the things and, like, yes. talking to them weekly and seeing how they're doing and, like, how they're, like, benefiting from what I'm doing, and it's, like, cool to see little things that you can do help and go a long way to help other people and and the appreciation is yeah. what i just want i love when they're just like so thankful and they're like thank you so much for being here thanks for helping out you're like okay you yeah know? i mean uh, yeah I, that's nice to receive and but it's also the friendship you develop really friendships and you put a face to the poor it's not just a poor person the label yeah this is no this is a person it doesn't matter if they're poor or not this is a person who has needs and you're choosing to go in a certain direction or meet a certain calling to help them and that's the beauty is they just become a person who you're helping and you and you're walking with them you're not reaching down to them you're not you know saying you need help but you're just walking with them right and i think that's the beauty of service yeah right um i know we kind of touched on the whole oak park cleanup thing before but i just want to know how that kind of got started and like why you began like did you begin there or is like did someone so basically we had one where we invited sack high and a couple other schools in our general area to come and do service and so we had one big one and then it kind of died after that and i thought you know we need to be exposed to our neighbors these are our neighbors and we're called to love our neighbors and and so to get rid of that oak park stigma and to bump into people and talk to them along the way to realize everyone's just a person. And so um, that's kind of the beauty, even the homeless, you know, that we bump yeah. into when we're working. It's just, it's part of the experience and allows us to um, identify people as people, as individuals. And I've allowed uh, some of the people to share their story with our kids. I'll talk to them first and mm-hmm. make sure everything's safe and there's no, you know, issues. But um, once we get to that point, the kids can be very much moved, you know. Uh, just uh, last year or two years ago, um, there's a lady on the corner. We call her grandma, but she, her name is uh, Priscilla. They call her Lady Priscilla at church. And um, she, you know, she says, I just wanted to tell you I'm dying of cancer and I'm really struggling right now. And I just said, hey, kids, can we pray for her? And we just had a prayer moment. You know, it was beautiful that, number one, she shared with us that personal part, but number two, that we could share a prayer with her. And just to honor her and respect her in that moment. And so, you know, her house has kind of fallen apart. And it's typical of some of the um, houses and neighbors, just because they're so old and uh, financially it's hard to keep up for a lot of those homes. But um, it was, you know, we do, you look past that when you mm-hmm. see the person. Yeah. That's secondary to, to anything. Um, it's just seeing her reach out. So now when we do it, we always stop by. We talked to her, you doing okay? She goes, I'm doing better, you know? So she is. She thought she was gonna be done and she's actually been fighting and, and taking radiation treatments and doing what she can to, to stay alive. And her, hus- her, her husband died years ago and we walked by one time and she was just singing out loud and I said, Priscilla, what's going on? You're crying and she says, well, this is the day my husband died. And so she was just letting, belting it out, these, these songs and allowing herself to grieve and and to share it. And so um, 
you know, and her, her, her son who was in the Marines, he's uh, actually there and helps her now. And they have like three boats in her backyard, you know, and those are all his. And um, it's just neat to hear the story about their lives and, mm-hmm. and to get involved. So, yeah, I know that CB is in like this community because um, I've always have heard that it's to help out the community because yes. they put it uh, in this location so that we can use our resources to our advantage and like be able to really serve the community. I know that you're you're doing a really great job with the whole, with the Oak Park cleanup thing and that aspect and everything. And I really appreciate that because it's like um, the reason that CB is here is to serve because we enter to learn lead to serve and everything. Yes, is because um, we're we are in a community that's in need of some help. Yeah. and um, I just think it's really great to give the students that opportunity to serve. Um, just Oak Park and just the place where we're, we come here every day and yes. be able to appreciate the people that live here and everything. And I think just to drive in allows you to have some empathy because mm-hmm. people come from their own social bubbles and their own socioeconomic means and background. And so sometimes we can come in and judge when we come from a different background. But if you do it enough, I think especially working in the neighborhood, you start to have more empathy and start mm-hmm. becoming more aware. So. We had the opportunity to move in the 90s. Um, a man uh, offered us 40 acres in Natomas, right across from the old Arco Arena. And uh, the brother said, no, um, we're, we're going to get a better education here in this neighborhood because our kids can do outreaches to the neighborhood. And they, this is right in their backyard. Um, they can serve people. But you know, otherwise, we just become another prep school up in Natomas and, you know, um, we wouldn't have the same connection with our education in helping the poor and a part of our, our five core principles. I think, yeah, like the whole service of the community is just, uh, it's kind of a, almost like a one of a kind CV thing that I've, I haven't seen anywhere else. Um, just that's a great opportunity. And, uh, I just, um, cause I remember doing the Oak Park cleanups when we were like, when I was in your class and everything. And it was such a great time just like, for so like you're with your friends and you're doing it and then you really have like this feeling like, like you accomplished something for yes. like this um this community that you live in that you don't really sometimes even when you're at school you don't really pay too much attention to yes. but then you really get to see it during like outside of school and like get to be in it and like with the people and everything it's just a great opportunity to connect with those that you wouldn't even you wouldn't have thought of before and uh i just i really enjoyed doing those no problem no problem me too. Yeah. Yes, I get it because, of course, you're gonna enjoy. It. You're doing it so long, and you're pushing yeah. these kids for it. I mean, it's got to be something that you love doing. It is. It is. It is. Sometimes the body gets a little beat up, but that's yeah, okay. that's fun. So um, you guys do the most of the work, and I'm very proud of the students what they accomplished when mm-hmm. we go out. We do neighborhood cleanups. Ex- explaining what exactly entails doing like a Venevere trip. Um, what kind of service do you do? Is it like dependent on the location or something? Like just exactly how would you like lead one of those? So Ms. Grappe does the uh, Venevere trips and uh, it's basically um, uh, Ms. Leistrup beforehand. And so each one has kind of a theme, um, a, a goal that they have in order to, on the outreach. So I went to the Paradise one, which was kind of unique because it was just after the fire and we were dealing with people who lost everything. And so it was, um, it was sad, but also enriching because we were helping people. And so uh, at one point we were able to do, it was during Easter week, and uh, we did the Stations of the Cross for them. And each station we compared Jesus' struggle with their struggle. 
and each student was able to share their reflection about paradise and the experience of having all this loss and all this suffering and then seeing growth and resurrection out of uh, you know, a very difficult situation. But people were starting to rebuild and people were having hope. And um, they lost the majority of their population, but people were starting to come back. And so it was very beautiful. And even one of the young ladies who was a student from CB, she used to live there. And when she saw it, she just kind of lost it a little bit, but then persevered to say, no, I want to help. And so uh, we did a lot of outreaches when we were there. So, um, you know, it varies. I'm going to be going to L.A. Um, in January to work with Homeboy Industries and, um, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And um, we're going to be helping out the Dolores School mission. And so it's right next to the Homeboy Industries. And so... Uh, it's opportunity to help those in need and um, kind of just make us more aware of what the needs, especially in poor schools, um, that there's a greater need, not only socially, but also economically, and just to help people to realize that um, there's a greater need of education. For many, that is the way out of poverty, is mm -hmm. through a good education. So um, just seeing what these this school's doing to help people could be very uh, enlightening for a lot of students. Uh, and you mentioned the one to Tijuana. They don't do that one anymore, they right? They don't because of some of the violence down in, in Mexico. There was some concern um, about the kids' welfare and stuff. I mean, there's still, we have a lot of brother schools, LaSallian mm -hmm. schools in Mexico. And so we could do a lot, but um, right now the, the schools decided um, that it might, it's an unsafe situation for a lot of students. But at the time before 9-11, it was, definitely an opportunity to reach out and help people so they do have one in arizona though right like next to the where i've heard of, i think some of my friends went on one so there's one that's by the border yeah and, uh ultra lotto and uh they reach out to um uh, the people and they get all different perspectives of the immigration issue mm -hmm. so it's kind of neat that they get multiple perspectives uh not just one side and it really opens uh, the people up to the issue i think to fully find answers to problems like the problem of homelessness, mm -hmm. we really need to find multiple perspectives and see what other people are doing to kind of come up with better answers to address these issues. And so um, I think students become very aware when they talk to the um, um, Border Patrol people mm -hmm. and get their perspective, and they talk to the locals and get their perspective, and the landowners on the border, their perspective. So. It's a very beautiful experience, uh, and uh, Ms. Fernandez does a wonderful mm -hmm. job in being a part of that and help leading that one. Because yeah. I had a few friends that were on that one last year, and they said it was a really eye-opening experience for them, just being able to see all those people that have come to cross the border and everything and everything that that entails and like just the hardships that they go through and just really seemed like they were able to like open up and open up their hearts to those people in like a way that they weren't be weren't able to connect before. Yes. I just think it's a really good opportunity. For and that that's kind of really, I think, a big part of these trips is empathy, learning to to think of other people outside of ourselves, and learning to be open to other people's needs, and that's a huge part of the experience of allowing yourself to open up your heart to other people. All right. So our final question of the day is just a quick explanation for all the listeners that. You may not have given the give, haven't told this to yet, or like that. Don't I maybe haven't heard it yet? But why exactly do you call everyone brother on campus? <laughs> well, it, it's been evolved into sister also. Yeah. Um, 
So, um, so when I was a student at CB, I was on the track team. And um, I noticed that a lot of the African-American runners, they would call each other brother. So I kind of inserted my brother. <laughs> Initially, they looked at me funny. And then I kind of worked my way into them saying brother also. And so that was very like a way of accepting. And so I saw that kind of translate into our school, um, that camaraderie kind of going beyond ethnic you know, barriers or backgrounds during a time where there was a lot of um, ethnic conflict in the 1970s um, with a lot of the cultural changes that really needed to happen and are still evolving and still happening and changes that need to occur. And then so um, we always called the brothers brother. Mm -hmm. And so um, I just kind of picked that up along the way as far as, you know, as, as a teacher um, to show them that you were family, we're the Sallying family here. And, and uh, we see it in scripture where Christians call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. So I'm a religion teacher, so that kind of went hand in hand with that also. Uh, but also with the brothers gone, um, in some ways, trying to keep some level of tradition alive, where if they call me brother, um, it's it's about family. And that's the way the brothers kind of treated us like family. So yeah, It does really call back to that kind of like familial atmosphere that we have here, of just yes. like the whole CB inclusive community almost as a family. And you do get that a lot here. Um, and I think it's like a really great thing. I think just the expression of the way of just calling people brother does help a lot just to, or and sister, just to um, show that we're all connected in a family. Cause I feel like some people, sometimes people forget that, that um, we're all in this together here at yes. CB and that yes. it should really be that community that we, I think we really do well at accomplishing. You know, we're, we're a, uh, not a perfect school, but yeah. we're a good school. In some areas, we're a great school. And I'm very thankful that there's a lot of love and camaraderie here and people lifting each other up. I mean, even little things like opening doors. Mm -hmm. I mean, people come in, come to our school, and they're just amazed at the hospitality of people being kind and reaching out. Um, definitely not perfect, but um, overall, I would say, um, compared to a lot of other schools uh, in our city um, i see a lot of love and a lot of kindness for each other here probably more than the average school so well thank you for being on this episode of the talent talk podcast um i really enjoyed it um i think the listeners will too and uh you can catch us next time when i think we'll do a music episode uh this one should be dropping soon so thanks thank you it was an honor thank you very much take care you thought this podcast was over you're wrong we got a little bonus podcast with Sage Ness, writer for Talon, just going over a little article that she released a little while ago. Uh, what was what was the name of that, Sage? The name of it was Fashion Icons of the Senior Class. Well, what exactly was that about? So I wrote about all the people you see around campus with really fun outfits that can get around the dress code. Some of them do get dress coded, but for the most part, they just have really good outfits, so icons. What makes an outfit stand out? For example, uh, if you've seen Kave around campus, he always has some patterns on his pants or anything that he puts over a CB shirt. So I think that's something that makes people stand out. Just anything that's out of the normal for um, like a blue CB shirt and khakis. Like if it's different than that, I mean, they stand out. I'm wearing a blue CB shirt and khakis right now. Is that a diss? Maybe. <laughs> Just basic for our class. Oh, not our class, just at CB. Yeah, I guess that's what most people wear. I mean, that's any... what we have to wear, so. Yeah. Exactly. That's why they're icons. They get around it. All right. Do you have any tips on how to get around it? What do you, what do, you do? 
you like to, you, you like to play with that uh, with the rules a little bit, bend them a little bit? Mm, not really. I mean, it's kind of different with girls because shorts are an option, but you can't it's wear Bermuda very, shorts. It's so debatable. Never Bermuda shorts. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and it's not really a look. So for girls, it's more like textured pants are coming into play. Like I'm wearing um, suede or whatever this is. What is this? Cool. How do you say it? I don't know what corduroy? this is. Corduroy. corduroy that's pen. what it is. I have corduroy. some cords, yeah. some red cords at home that I really like. Yeah, those are those are always good. And then um, a lot of people go into the clothes closet and get like vintage CB shirts. CB shirts, and those are always look cool. Vintage, aka like ten years old. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have some of those, but they're just run down, and I can't wear them anymore because they're like holes in them. Okay, well that's different. <laughs> like people get some uh, holy bull shirts, which I don't think we make those anymore. So those yeah, are always cool. I think the uh, home team's supposed to make them, but no one does it anymore. It's really yeah. sad because they're cool. Yeah. I've seen people wear pattern pants too. Like oh, not yeah. just textured, but also pattern. Yeah, Checkered pants are really popular. Whatever that um, the thing with all the lines that kind of intersect, whatever like types of plaid. Pants. Yeah, like plaid. I guess that's. I'll just say plaid. Gingham, gingham. Ging that's what it is. Okay. Yeah, and then colorful pants. Colorful. Like well, what's your favorite color of pants? Green. Green. Yeah, like, like a forest like green. Ab- yeah, army like green. The, you can't see the green in the sweatshirt, but it's like a darker kind of green. Is that kind of yes. green? Yes. All right. How do you feel well, about our dress code? I think the dress code for us is pretty lenient in some senses. Like we're not going to skirts or polos every day, which is nice. But with that being said, it's the same like five things you can wear constantly unless you know how to work around it like i wear the same things as like some guys in the hallway sometimes i'm like oh all right oh. cool <laughs> well, it's just pants or shorts yeah and t-shirt or sweatshirt a lot of people sweatshirt. use shoes as like shoes, yeah, shoes away to my shoes were eaten by my dog well what? gives it character oh my gosh <laughs> so if you see me walking around campus look at my shoes the back of the right one is completely torn up chewed off what are those people called that are really into shoes sneakerheads sneakerheads there's so many of those that are cool bria shine she's always buying shoes in class all right i've had i mean my dog ate these shoes like a month ago maybe a month and a half i wish i had the money to buy shoes shoes are expensive these are like 100 bucks so they weren't like overly expensive but they were still like expensive that is very expensive full for uh custom vans oh okay just go to the thrift store and buy some I don't know what like kind of shoes to wear re- like recently because Vans are so basic now and that's like all I used to wear. So like platforms are coming in. Platforms. I'm wearing platforms right now. Just saying. Thick shoes. Very thick shoes. Thick. That's like Fila's. Okay, I don't really like Fila's, but like those are definitely popular right now. Mm. Not I to call anyone that wears Fila's, but maybe don't wear Fila's. <laughs> Do you know like any like? brand other than like feel that you were talking about because like, like honestly shoes honestly i'm just trying to like buy some new shoes because <laughs> all of mine are so old superga is what i'm wearing right now those are pretty good reeboks oh reeboks mr scott is sure. telling us reeboks reeboks are good they have a lot of good shoes um oh my gosh what's the one that might not it's might not michael kors something like that what is that brand called sketchers <laughs> no <laughs> yeah it's sketchers <laughs> The Those light up ones, the one that light up when you walk. Steve Madden, that's what. Now you know what you know what's Steve really Madden. coming back. Hmm. Heelys. Oh my gosh, I you know. You can skate around the school with those, dude. I'm You'll pretty be crazy. sure those are out of dress code. Really? I don't I know. I'm not. I'm sure you can't roll around campus. Fine, fine. <laughs> I'll get the Heelys, but I'll take the wheels yeah, take out the when wheels I enter out. the campus. I mean, that would actually kind of be a look. <laughs> Keeping the wheels. Cal's on. going around the dress code just like the other Ooh. fashion icons. Oh yeah, going back to that. 
um, <laughs> like the Go main topic we of this podcast. <laughs> um, who else did I write about? I wrote about Marissa Galvez. If you guys have ever seen her around campus, she always has some cool sweatshirt or pants or something like that. And like, I don't know how to explain her style. She told me, I think it was um, retro street style, which I think is pretty on point to her Is there outfits. like an iconic outfit that she wears often that really stands out in your brain? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of, I don't know about Marissa, but I feel like there's a lot of people who like, their look is just the CB shirt with the long sleeve under it. Oh yeah, yeah that's super that's basic. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, it does look good, but it reminds me of like a e-girl. I feel like that's like a style now is becoming an e-girl. E-girls. How do you feel about Visco girls? Um, I and think they're cute. Like they're cute people, but like their style. How do you? It's feel just about that? trends. Like they come and go. Like what was a trend our freshman year that oh. people wore a lot? Honestly, I feel like we had no style freshman year. Everyone kind of looked like the same. My clothes have just Sperry's. been. Oh my gosh, Sperry's. Crocs too, yeah. Crocs. People still wear Crocs. My clothes are just whatever's at the thrift store that I think is cool. I grab it. So I got a bunch Within of jackets. Dress code. Within dress right. code. I don't do. I don't. I don't express myself through the dress code because it just, it's too hard. Oh, and not so too you're hard. out of dress code. You're exposing you're saying. yourself right now. No, what I'm saying is I just wear the dress code on school days and then I dress the way I want on the weekends. Oh, yeah. Okay, obviously. Don't we all dress the way we want on the weekends? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But okay, I'm not well saying then, yeah. like I'm buying stuff that's purposefully in the dress code. Okay. I'm just have dress code stuff that I wear on dress that I wear on school days because I don't really care about standing out when I'm at school with my clothes at least. Do you guys like look for college sweatshirts that look cool? I don't or you know. just kind of grab anything? I mostly just grab if they look cool. I'll more likely to grab it, but I just grab whatever ones. Like my dad got this. Uh, UC Davis Aggies. Aggie sweatshirt that's like really big and really comfy for free because he works there. So I wear them. I wear that. I have a bunch of UC Davis stuff. Uh, just random sweatshirts that I've picked up over the years just because I can wear them to school. I feel like oversized sweatshirts are really like. So okay. do you guys dress for comfort or style? Oh, God. I dress for both. And a, like, really? I had them both depends. at the same time. Put on something that I find at a thrift store and I say, does this feel good? If yes, then I'm like, cool. Does this look good? If yes, then I'm like, I'm going to buy it. You know, my parents don't let me shop at thrift stores. Why? I always shop at thrift stores. That's where thrift most of my clothes come, come from. They're like, I'd rather have you pay for full price than go to a thrift store. No, like, don't Why? support fast fashion. I yeah, also don't. wrote about in that, my article. What Forever 21, fast fashion. Yeah, don't do Don't do, that. do it. Also, they're going bankrupt, so it doesn't even matter. They're yeah. going bankrupt, so. Yeah. yeah. But like fast secondhand clothes. It's better to oh, buy it for better. the environment, just saying. Problem is I buy a lot of it. I buy it too much because it's so cheap. That's good, though. Like, yeah, give it a home. Otherwise, it's just going to be sitting there, and then what? Yeah. Have you heard uh. about Crossroads? Yes, I go to Crossroads all the time. It's kind yeah. of expensive, though. Some thrift stores are, like, a high-end <laughs> thrift store, which I'm totally not about, and it's, like, $20 for a shirt. I'm like, this is a thrift store. I could get this at any other place for the same price. Oh, yeah, because it's, like, in now, and people... Oh, my gosh, I know. What's that like freestyle? Freestyle is really expensive now. I just go to Eco Thrift or Goodwill. Yeah, Goodwill's always been cheap. That's always, I mean, it's harder to find things. That's a thing. All right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like thrift store is definitely the move. It's the way to go. But not the high end ones. Not stores. the high end ones. You can't even, like, Desra Industries, the is, go there. I don't usually find good t shirts at thrift stores. Really? No. I find very good t-shirts. The men's t-shirts are just normal weird t-shirts. No, I always shop in the men's. I found an Austin Moon from the show Austin and Allie shirt. Oh, well, that's not a shirt that I'm going to wear. 
Well, I would wear it. Oh, I one time found a Logan Paul shirt at the thrift store. Are you a Logan? Are you a Maverick? <laughs> no. <laughs> but this girl saw me pick it up, and she was so excited that I grabbed it. She was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's Logan Paul. And I was like, you Logo know what, girl? Paul. You can have it. So I gave it to her. <laughs> I thought it was God. funny. Thrift stores, man. Find some weird stuff there. But, like, you yeah. can find designer stuff there, too. Yeah, like, yeah rarely i barely find any like maybe like an adidas or like a polo i always find good jackets good hats hats yeah you gotta don't put them on yeah before you wash them (laughs) but you you take that the hats are good like what like Like beanies bucket hats (laughs) i saw ryan bruce was in your article oh ryan bruce was in my article he was a hard one he did not want to be in it like he did not want to talk to me at all but we convinced him I think yeah. he has a good style. Very um skater. skater boy. Oh, skater boy. Skater boy. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan is kind is of an e boy. I don't know. But like he's it's more not like an e edgy. Enough. Yeah. He's, he's not edgy. e enough for e boy. <laughs> he's like very boy. Boy. He's very boy. <laughs> not so much like e though. S boy. Skater boy. Skater instead. boy. Oh, painting your nails is definitely an e boy girl thing. E boy. I would look you do it. E-boy. I mean E boy girl thing. It is. <laughs> I'd do it, but why not? I would, is what I'm saying. Okay, well then do it. I don't have any nail polish. Well, I mean, can I, 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 I bring supposed some to, nail polish? Am I supposed to pull it out of thin air or something? Yes. Black <laughs> nail polish. If you brought it, only. I would do it. I have what? black nail polish. I'm not saying I'm going to be an e boy. It's it's not even about being an e boy. That's sort of because people wanted to like stop being. I don't know, there was like something against feminism or something. And it was like, oh, we're going to show our feminine side and stop being so masculine by mm. painting our nails. I already drew all over my hand and have stuff around my nails. Does that make you an e-boy? No, no I'm just saying well, that I'm one step closer to having, like having pen on my hand is close to having nail polish on my fingernails. Like, that's all I'm saying. It's got a similar uh, vibe. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm not saying I'm going to be an e-boy. What, when have I said I ever wanted to be an e-boy? Everyone wants to be an e-boy. Don't Why would lie. I want to be an e-boy? Everyone wants to be an e-boy. It's a thing right now. So everyone wants to be a Bisco girl. Everyone wants to be an e-boy. Scott, everyone wants to be an e-boy. What do you have to say about you being an e-boy? I'm not an e-boy. And I yes, don't you be are. An See, no one wants to be an e-boy. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay, maybe no not our be class because seniors are way too cool to follow trends, right? But like, definitely the freshmen. Well, I'm my own person. I've seen eight me e-boy. Bisco girls from the freshman class when you're I interviewed them. They were talking crazy. about trends, like trendy people. In our class, and then you said nobody wants to follow trends. They're, They're not. No, the, the people in our class are not trendy. They're, They're making, making the, the trends. trends. Yeah, and they are different, kind of. We're unique. Yeah, I'm, he's basically. just a unique person. It's his own dude. Oh, Isa, Isa Warford. Isa. She is so underrated for that. It's like she has very good style. She had a good so sense of style. I put her in my article, obviously. What about her style is unique? She just dresses like. I don't know. It's different. just very different. Like, like no one else like really wears the kind of stuff that she wears, and she has cool shoes. What is this stuff that I've never seen before on any one other well, person? Well, Issa wears Issa. this really cool elephant ring. Oh yeah, I've seen that. I think it's cool. And then she has those uh, orange shoes, with, like the green flower thing on it. It's like yeah, whatever those kinds of shoes are really expensive or something, but they look really good. I don't do know very many people. My style is whatever's cheapest and most comfortable. Do you think being trendy? Is a pricey thing? Yes. No. That's why thrift shopping is a way to get around it. Or like I guess being trendy, yeah, but starting a trend is not pricey. No. Because you like can't because if, if it's expensive, it's already trendy basically. Mm-hmm. I because don't think that's true. Well, because it's expensive. they're not gonna pay if it's something that isn't like part of a trend, they're not gonna make it super expensive. Okay, so Kanye 
Yeah, that's a whole, so tra- that's that's a whole a trend. trend. That's a trend. I've never seen one person with like Kanye's because it's so up, expensive. I know it's a trend for really rich a, people. Okay, for really rich people, but I still even even then, like, who wears that? The shoes, maybe that was people like a thing in twenty fifteen, but trend. everything See, it's else. A trend. If you don't, if you want to make like a start a new trend, but I think right now you got to be really out there with what you're doing if you want to do a true new trend because everything's pretty much been done. Not everything. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like. Honestly, kind of everything. So though. much, so much. The had to be out there if you want to. I think trendy stuff at our school. Let's see. Issa wore a turtleneck underneath her sweatshirt today, which not many people do. I think that's pretty out there. That's gotta be so hot. Oh, probably, but it's trendy, so it doesn't matter. What oh, dude, I'm I'm not over putting trend over style. Or well, over some people there. do. Okay. Oof. Did be sweating say, all day. Did you say oof? Yeah, I said oof. <laughs> I'm thinking of sweating all day. In that turtleneck and sweatshirt. Well, you see it those looks girls. Good. You see those girls on Instagram, and they're like dying with all of those like puffy jackets and mom jeans. It's all jeans. about the trends. No one cares about the comfort anymore. Some people do. I'm but if comfort. you're gonna be trendy, it's kind of like, can you be trendy and comfortable? And most of the time, the answer to that is no. That's what I'm trying to do. Actually, do not trying to be trendy. I don't think the clothes at our school are very comfortable. Like wearing no. pants all day, I don't really enjoy. I got some nice, comfortable pants. Jeggings? Good for you. Nice, oh, yeah, I jeggings, you get dress coded for those sometimes. Like, most people can get away with it, but some teachers, they're like, uh, those are leggings. Got a nice, comfortable sweatshirt. Sweatshirts, yeah. But the t-shirts underneath, mm, that's debatable. Like that's They got to be worn in first. Yeah. yeah. The new ones are, are like... You got to wear, good. like... They're like Gildan shirts, too. Yeah, and that's another thing. The new shirts that we have at the student store, they're cute, but I think that the students should, like, like put some more out there, you know? We only have, like, five shirts every t-shirt year. T-shirt club. There is a t-shirt club now, but yeah. I think they do, like, spirit stuff, yeah. which is fine, but, like, I want some cool, well, like, just, basic they shirts. They design t-shirts, and then they see if they can get them approved by the school, and if they which can get them forever. approved by the school, then they'll make them and. Sell them, I think. Did you guys see the new Homecoming shirt? No, I haven't no. seen it. It's a Back to the Future shirt, and it Ew. says, like, um, CBHS Homecoming, and it was, like, it said the theme, and it was in the Back to the Future font, and then it had uh, the car. The DeLorean on the back? Yeah, and Alonzo, like, drew it, and then they put it on the back. It's pretty cool. It's, like, a black long sleeve. I want to see it, because that seems pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sage, for coming on here and talking about your article and fashion Barely trends. my article, but yeah. Well, we <laughs> talked enough about it. I mean, we didn't want to spoil the whole thing before they got to read True, it. True. Right. Go read it. If you really want to know what ha- what's in there, you got to read the article. It's under the community tag, yep. and Kaveh's outfit's on the cover. Go find it. All right. Thank you, Sage. You're welcome. You are a wonderful, wonderful guest. Oh, my gosh. Thanks. Have me back, please. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. <laughs>